0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. We are so honored that you would take a few minutes and you would join us, even if it's through an app on your phone right now. We're just honored that you would spend the time with us. And I want to encourage you, if you want to spend time with us in person, we would love to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We would love to meet you. We'd love to pray for you we'd love to serve you so make plans to join us but right now i hope that you enjoy this message and we hope that it encourages you and it blesses you today welcome what's up the mayor is here baby come on that's my cousin austin austin say hi say hi hi guys there we go my man i call him the mayor because he knows everybody i love it Makes my day seeing Austin and Aunt Judy. I'm glad you're here as well, and my aunt as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do, I love it, man. And uh, I'm glad you're here, big dog. Couldn't do it without the mayor. All right, um. If you haven't been here in a while, uh, I am so excited because we started a series called Clickbait. Y'all say clickbait. And it's all about a fence, right? Uh, clickbait on the internet, if you didn't know, are those articles that are so strategically worded that you can't help but click on them. You know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, so we decided to do a series title it clickbait because offense, not a fence, but offense is something that a lot of times we can't resist the urge to take just like clickbait. Um, and we learned that in the first week that the actual word offense in the Bible, the Bible is not written in English, by the way. I don't know if y'all knew that. It's not written in English. It's very old. Uh, it was this part of the Bible is written in Greek. That word for offense in the New Testament in Greek is actually a hunting term. And it talks about the device that you would put bait on, uh, on a trap. So So, like, it's the part that you would put the bait on, and then when you touch it, you know, those bear traps that like close up. We had one here the first week. Um, And so, that's what the word offense is it's that part you put the bait on so you can trap something. And we talked about how when we take an offense, we're really agreeing to be trapped by the enemy. He uses it all the time. And unfortunately, Christians, I feel like we have a reputation where we're so easily offended about everything, right? Like, we hate Starbucks sometimes because they don't have. Christmas trees or something on their cups, or we, you know, we live in a, a, a culture where it's like a, a badge of honor to be offended by the right things. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all see this in culture where I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they would disagree with me. I can't believe they voted for that person. I can't believe that. Did you hear what the, and we just live in this offense uh, driven culture and it's just trapping us. And so we talk about the first week, like it's, what does offense produce in people? Well, it doesn't produce anything good. It produces hurt, anger, jealousy, resentment, strife, bitterness, hatred, envy, all of these things. That's what people that are offended, that's what they produce. And we don't need to be those people. We're called to be something better, something different. God's called us to a higher standard. Last week, Pastor Stephanie spoke. Didn't y'all love her word last week? For those of y'all who are here, it was so good. And uh, she talked, yeah, she talked about why do we get offended? Like, what, why, do, why do we think that we can be offended? And we looked at pride. We looked at things like assumptions. Y'all know what assumptions do, right? Y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay. all right. I don't need to say, oh, you okay. know how to spell that word? Alright, that's what it does, right? Uh, we Maybe a, uh, offense comes from insecurities that we have. Maybe uh, our offense comes from when we feel like there's been an injustice around us, and we have to be offended. But she actually talked about, this is an interesting stat, that the angriest and loudest people to come up against a cause and yell about it, shout about it, post about it on Facebook, actually give and do astronomically less to actually help the cause. Because they think, I'm going to be offended and I'm going to shout from the rooftops and that's going to be enough. Well, God's called us to be people that make a difference not just shout about making a difference. And that's what our church does. We don't, we're not going to sit here. We're not the type of church, by the way, that we're going to sit here and just berate you with all the stuff that everyone's doing wrong. It's just, no, no. We're going to stand up for what's right. We're going to stand on God's word, and we're actually going to do something to make a difference. And so that's what God's called us to do. And she talked about how we really don't even have the right to be offended ever. Let that say, we don't have the right to be the only person that's ever lived in the history of humanity that's had the right to be offended is Jesus. And he never took the bait of offense. He never got offended. And so if Jesus didn't do it and he was perfect, what makes you think that it's a good idea for us to be offended? And so there's really never a justifiable reason to be offended. But here's what I know, all right? And here's where we are today. Is that some of us in this room, maybe a lot of us in this room, we've been hurt big time. We've walked through some some stuff that is so difficult that's been inflicted by somebody else. And maybe for us, it's like, okay, I get all this, but you don't know what happened to me. Like, I was actually offended. Someone hurt me. And I want to just validate that for a second. I understand. A lot of us in here have been hurt by people, and it wasn't our faults. And we've actually gone through some stuff that's serious. But my hope today is to show you that even when we've been hurt in a big way, even when we've taken up an offense that seems legitimately justifiable, it's still not a great thing for you. So, today we're gonna tackle that topic a little bit, but full disclosure, all right, before we kind of get really going here, I have two things I wanna tell you. Actually, three things. First thing is this, all right, get your notes out in your app. I want you to follow along today. I believe, and I'm not just saying this, I don't say this every week. Today is a day that your life could change and you could experience freedom today. And I I really believe that. Now, with that being said, second thing, is we're gonna talk about some really heavy stuff today. Okay, it's very, uh, there's some things in here that are very adult. All right, so uh, if you have small children, I think we'll be good, Uh, but uh, if you maybe, you know, if you have like an elementary age kid, this might be a good week for them to check out Oasis Kids, just because we're going to tackle some topics that are tough for them to hear that relate to uh, sex and those sort of things, okay? So just want to give you a little disclaimer on that. And then the last thing is this, is I'm going to tell you a joke right now, because the rest of the message is not funny. All right, so we're going to laugh, I'm going to tell you a joke, and then we're going to dive in. Are you all with me? All right, I'm nervous telling a joke after I've announced I'm telling a joke. That's like saying this is going to be funny. Now there's a lot of pressure to perform a good joke and for y'all to laugh. All right, so here's the joke. All right, so uh, there was this woman and man, they were happily married. And they were married for a, a long time, and, and all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's, things, life happened, things went uh, the, the way that they did, and they ended up getting a divorce, and it was nasty. And the, the, the woman hated the man, the man hated the woman. Anyone been there before? I'm joking, don't raise your hand. All right, but, you, but they, they went through a nasty divorce, and they hated each other, okay? And one day, a genie, all right, and I'm just going to, I said Jesus when I was practicing this, but that felt weird, all right? But a genie appears to the woman and says this, and he says, hey, you know how this works. I'm going to grant you three wishes, but there's a caveat, okay? Anything I give you, I'm going to give your ex-husband double. And she was like, okay, well, hey, you got everything in the divorce, so I guess this is no different, right? Like she's thinking, and so all of a sudden she's thinking for a second, and she says, all right, um, I want $10 million. And poof, right in front of her, $10 million appear. So that means her ex-husband, who she hated, somewhere, somewhere else, got $20 million, poof. Can you imagine being him, by the way, being like, what is going on, baby? This is awesome, right? So she was like, okay, number two, what do I want? What do I want? She said, you know what? I want a brand new Corvette, Right, I'm brand new, hot off the line. And then you can turn the lights on. Let's forget these things. I hate these lights right now. The demons in the lights, be gone in Jesus' name. All right, um, so uh, anyway, she says, I want a brand new Corvette. And poof, right in front of her, brand new Corvette. It's got zero miles on it. And somewhere, wherever her husband was, Boom. Two Corvettes, can you believe this, is sitting there right outside in their driveway. He's like, "This, thank you, Lord. This is the greatest day of my life, right? Second to, to getting divorced from that woman, a crazy woman. And then all of a sudden, that was a joke. All right, so uh, all of a sudden she thinks, he's like, all right, my last joke. And she looks at the genie and says, I want you to scare me half to death. I <laughs> <laughs> got it? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Nothing to do with the message. All right, here we go. Today, y'all like that. Get it half to death? He got twice as much, all right? A little morbid. once want you explain it. Jokes aren't funny when you have to explain them. Uh, it's okay. Okay. All right, so today we're going to wrap up the series, and we're going to talk about something. And before we get going, I want you to understand, some people in this room, okay, a lot of us in this room, if we're honest, have really been hurt. Someone has said something to you. Maybe it was your parents. They said some things to you that were awful. Maybe it's physical abuse from your childhood, or maybe from a previous marriage, or maybe in a current marriage. Uh, maybe for some of you, your spouse was unfaithful to you, or they left you. Uh, maybe for some of you, you were sexually abused uh, in some way, shape, or form. Some of you, you may have been emotionally abused uh, by your mom, or your dad, or by a sibling. Uh, for some of you, uh, man, it could have been a spiritual abuse, A pastor took advantage of you. He said some things that were not true to God's word. And maybe it came from a parent, a a sibling, a a close friend, a spouse, a former spouse, a coach, a pastor, and, and, and hurt. And what they did wasn't a small thing. Okay, they didn't just forget to come over and help you move when you needed them. No, they did something legit serious to you. And it's just stuck with you. And the sad fact is, is that statistically speaking, there are several of us in this room that have experienced a major hurt in our lives, that have experienced a major hurt that's allowed us and given us the opportunity to pick up an offense where we were supposed to leave it. And it's crazy how these hurts can stick with you you know, as I'm talking, you might even be thinking of the same thing. You might be thinking of that moment in your life that changed your life and how these things stick with you, right? Like I can think of several stories from my childhood or from when I was younger or from my life where something happened and it was very hurtful to me. And I still on a regular basis, think about these things. And I still give these people that have hurt me uh, space in my life to still dictate things in my life. And I remember one of these things was I was, uh, I was with, I was in a green room with a person that I really respected that that I worked for at the time, and we had this speaker come in to speak at this event, who was a very respected man as well. And I, I, you know, loved this guy. I loved the speaker. I thought it was great. And uh, we were running this event, and my the person that I worked for, the person that I looked up to, looked at me and said, "Hey." Why don't you go outside to check to see if there's music playing out there, like their lobby music and stuff, which half y'all don't even ever think about, but someone's got to do it. Right. And so that was me. And then he looked at me and he said this. He said, why don't you run? We both know that you could use it. And something in that I was like, whoa. And that stuck with me. And I was like so mean, right? Like, And ever and since then, like that sticks with me a little bit. And there's other things in my life that just stick with me. Someone says something and in that, he doesn't even know that that happened. But in my life, that made a big impact in my life. Some of you, you have stories. And I don't know what your stories are. For some of you, it was something that was spoken over you as a child. You'll never be good enough. You're worthless. I, I, we don't, no one's ever going to love you. Maybe for some of you, uh, you were abandoned. Your dad just walked out. Your mom just walked out. And you had to grow up without a mom or a dad in your life. And you were raised by somebody else that, that put you in a position that wasn't a great home. Maybe you were rejected. Maybe you were physically abused by somebody in your life. Whatever the offense is. We can't just breeze into this topic without acknowledging that those things happened and it's real. And I'm not here to tell you today to just forget about it, move on. Come on, just be happy. No, that's not the message today. You know, and here's how enemy uh, evil the enemy is. I want you to hear this. He will take a real offense. Listen to this. And he will cause it to hurt you so bad that you'll never forgive that person. He he will use an offense. He will use a hurt and that hurt will be so great and that thing that happened to you will be such a big deal that you will hold on to that offense and it will cause you to be trapped By unforgiveness. It'll cause you to be in this trap of going, I can't forgive this person. I can't let go of this. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's been 30 years, it's been 20 years, it's been five years, and you haven't forgiven that person. And that one single thing of not forgiving that person from a real hurt that happened to you has shaped everything about your life. It's caused your anger problems, it's caused your drinking problems, it's caused your mental health uh, state. It's caused your spiritual problems. It's been the root cause of a lot of things. And it's not necessarily the hurt that's caused it. It's the unforgiveness in your life because of that hurt that's causing all those things in your life. And so today, we're going to talk about unforgiveness. What happens when you choose to not forgive, even if the hurt is legitimate? Because I'm telling you, the enemy is using this and he's trapping a lot of us in this room right now. But God wants you to be free today. He, he wants you to get away from that trap today. He wants you to learn what God's word says today so that you can live a life of freedom. Amen. Come on, get I speaking to anybody today? And I'm telling you, today some of you are going to find freedom. All right, here's what I know. You can write this down. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison but expecting the other person to die. That sounds ridiculous, but that's what unforgiveness is like. It's like you drinking poison, but expecting the other person to die. That's insane, right? Like, well, it only hurts you. When you hold on to unforgiveness, it's not doing anything to the other person. It's only eating you alive from the inside out. That's what unforgiveness does. And the, de- the enemy, the devil, he knows that. That's because when we choose to not forgive someone, it, here's what happens. It makes us relive the hurt over and over again. So every time that person's name comes up, Every time you see someone that looks like that person, every time you see that person in your uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas when you're around family, you're reliving the hurt over and over again. And all of a sudden you're trapped because you just can't let go of this forgiveness. The the enemy uh, says this in John 10.10. It says this. It says, the thief's purpose, listen, is to steal and kill and destroy. I wonder how many people in this room, how many people listening to this right now the enemy has used this, un, this unforgiven offense to steal every joy of their life, to kill their personality, and to destroy their family. He's using it against us. He wants to keep you that way. He he he! The enemy is banking on the fact that you're going to hold on to that offense. You're going to hold on to that unforgiven offense, and it's just going to slowly chew you up from the inside out. That's what he's banking on. I've also heard it said this way: an unforgiven offense is like being shot with an arrow that's been dipped in poison. Right? Like the initial hit hurts, but the damage it does after is so much worse. We have to understand today that when we hold on to an unforgiven offense, it is doing damage. It's hurting you. It's been hurting you for some of us for decades. And some of you you're you're, you're in the aftermath of an unforgiven of, uh, offense and it's shaped everything about your life. So today we're going to look at a question. And I think it's a question that a lot of us ask when it comes to this because it's like, okay, Clint, I hear you. But what happened to me was so bad. If I'm supposed to forgive, why is it so hard to forgive? Why is it so hard for me to forgive this person? What may-? And so we're going to look at this question. Why is it so hard to forgive? Well, the first thing is this. I want you to write this down. We have the wrong idea of forgiveness. It's so hard sometimes because we have the wrong idea of what forgiveness actually is. So if we're going to understand what forgiveness is, let's look at what forgiveness is not. Y'all want to do that with me for a second? Here we go. First thing is this. Forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. Okay? Just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean we minimize what happened to you. What happened to you is terrible. It's real. No one's trying to minimize this in your life. It was a big deal. So forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. Second thing, forgiveness is not forgetting what happened to you. How many have heard the phrase, forgive and forget? Come on, have y'all ever heard that before? Hogwash. All right, that's terrible advice. And it's not realistic. Forget. Forget what happened to you, you're never going to forget what happened to you. And that's okay, but here's what God wants to do. Listen, God wants to heal your heart so you can remember what happened to you without reliving the pain associated with it. He wants to do something new in you. You're never going to forget it, but I'm telling you, God can bring freedom to where when you do remember it, you go, man, God was so good to me. Look what he delivered me from. Isn't that crazy? In fact, the Bible, this is the business that God's in. The Bible says this in Revelation. uh, And the one sitting on the throne, Jesus, Jesus, who is sitting on the throne, he's the king of kings, he's the name above every name, he's in control, and he says, look, I'm making everything new. He wants to make everything new, that's what he's about. He wants to make everything new in your life. So forgiveness, listen, it's not minimizing the offense, it's not forgetting what happened to you, and the last thing is this, forgiveness, this is important. Forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation. Forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation. Have you ever heard before this phrase? like, Or maybe you've thought this, or maybe you've even said this. I'll forgive that person when they apologize to me. When they say I'm sorry, I'll forgive that person. And I understand that mindset. I understand that idea. But let me just tell you a hard truth today. You're waiting on an apology that you're never going to get. And I hate that. I've felt that way in my life before. And listen, you're waiting on an apology. And there's a lot of reasons. This person could be, this person could be deceased. This person could not be safe to be around. This person could not even know that they did anything. And you're waiting on this apology. And guess what? You're holding yourself hostage and you're putting your freedom in the hands of the person that hurt you. doesn't make any sense. That's a bad way to live your life. That's a bad way to do things in your life because, listen, that apology might not be coming. It's crazy that we give people that power and we're going to let this poison inside of us eat us alive or wait on an apology that we're probably never going to get. I'm going to buy Harrison Shelby up here. And I want to do something right now. And this is going to be different. We've not done anything like this before. And I' recognize that there are some things that people have done to you that hurt, and you might be waiting on this apology, and that person's not coming today to apologize to you, and in fact, they probably won't ever apologize to you. But that's not why we forgive. And so, what we've done is, um, I have a couple letters that I've asked them to read to you. And uh, Shelby's gonna represent any female in your life that's hurt you. She's gonna go through some different areas, and she's gonna be representing that person, and she's gonna apologize for some things that you could be facing today. And so, when she's up here, I don't want you to see Shelby. I want you to picture that woman or that, that girl, that female that hurt you. And maybe this is the apology that you need in order to start finding healing today. And then Harrison's going to come up and he's going to represent any man, any male that has hurt you. And instead of seeing Harrison, I want you to see that person that's hurt you and that person you're never going to get an apology from, well, they're going to represent that person today. And they're going to apologize for some things. And I want you to receive this today. This could be the thing that starts to unlock that area of your life. So Shelby, go ahead. Oh.
1: Because the women who have hurt you cannot stand here today, I am here to represent them. My prayer is that you do not see me, but the person who has hurt you. On behalf of all of these women, I ask for your forgiveness. As your mother... When I may have intentionally or unintentionally abused you physically or verbally, even those times when I raised my hand to hit you, but I didn't, you knew deep down that I wanted to, and I am sorry. When I knew you were being abused and I did nothing to stop it, and those harsh words I spoke to you that made you feel worthless and condemned and wounded your spirit and you cannot forget, when there were those times when you felt abandoned or left alone, how afraid you must have been, will you please forgive me? Those times of neglect when your needs were not met or you felt like no one cared. When you had a broken heart and there was no one who would take the time to listen to you. When a promise was made to you and then broken without any thought of how you felt. I am so sorry. The times that I was set on controlling you so that my plans were accomplished. Those times that you wanted to be held and show me love and yet I did not take the time to return your love. Will you please forgive me? In those times when you needed praise and I was either too busy or just refused to give it, I am sorry. As your wife, I was unfaithful to you, causing you to feel worthless and abandoned and less of a man. When your deepest desire was to be honored and respected and I knowingly or unknowingly withheld that from you, I was so wrong and I ask you today to forgive me. You did not deserve that. As your sister... I was verbally and physically abusive to you, calling you names and making you feel like you were nothing. The things I said and did were so hurtful, and I am so sorry. As your close friend, you trusted me. You shared your thoughts and your dreams with me, and I betrayed you. Will you please forgive me? When I was your teacher, and I was entrusted with your care, And I belittled you, embarrassed you in front of your classmates, or spoke critical or negative words that were not true, that impacted your belief about yourself. I repent. On behalf of all the women who have hurt you, I repent and I ask you to please forgive me. The same great and wonderful God that extends to us forgiveness is here to help you receive your healing. So that once and for all, you can forgive and be set free. God is here. I ask you to please forgive me and let your heart be made whole in Jesus' name.
2: I have the privilege today of being able to stand here in the place of any man who has been abusive to you and repent on their behalf. My prayer is that you would not see and hear me, but you would in fact see and hear them speak these words to you. Words that they need to say. In words that you need to hear in order for your healing to begin. Physical abuse. I repent for having been harsh and abusive when I disciplined you as a child. You were just a child and I expected too much from you. It was my fault, not yours. For the beatings I gave you that you didn't deserve and for all the times that I struck out at you because of my anger instead of loving you, I'm sorry. Verbal abuse. I'm so sorry for all the times that I criticized you when you were doing the best that you could do, for telling you that you were worthless, that you should never have been born, and that you would never amount to anything. I was so wrong. I was your dad and was so consumed by my own problems for using my mouth to curse you when I should have used it to bless you. I am so sorry. Emotional abuse. When you were a child and I abandoned you and was not the father that you needed, I was so wrong when your mother and I divorced and I was not there for you because I went my own way, when you needed me as your friend and you thought that you could count on me to be there and I was not. For all of these things, I'm so sorry. For neglecting you as you were growing up because I was too busy. For leaving you to fend for yourself instead of being there to show you the way, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I was not able to bond with you emotionally when you were a child and tell you that I love you. When you were a child and I made promises I didn't keep and then broke your tender heart, I'm so sorry for what that did to you. When you needed me as your friend and you thought you could count on me and I was not there, for all of these times, I ask you to please forgive me. When you, as my wife, should have been able to trust me and I was untrustworthy, for threatening you and controlling you by fear, by my anger, for all these things, I ask your forgiveness sexual abuse. For molesting you when you were a child and destroying your innocence and having no concern for what that did to you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for exposing you to pornography and destroying your innocence and purity. For violating you as a young man or a young woman through rape, date rape, or luring you into a sex luring you into sex and taking advantage of you. I was so wrong for what I did. For violating you as an adult through rape, spousal abuse and sexual violence. I was wrong and I'm so sorry for what I did and the effect it had on you. For all of these things, I repent. Spiritual abuse. For being, for being your spiritual leader and violating the trust that you put in me, for taking advantage of you being open and vulnerable to me, I'm sorry. When I was critical and judgmental of you, when I should have accepted you, I repent. As a husband and father, I was not the spiritual leader of our home and I did not protect you and our family as I should have. For all of these abuses, I repent and tell you that I am truly sorry for what I did and for what it did to you. Will you please forgive me?
0: You know, I hope that if you dealt with something that was listed in any of those, that um, you feel like you're able to start the process of healing because that person might not have the ability to apologize. They might not actually apologize. And I hope that that brings some healing. You know, the Bible says this, Romans 12, it says, if it is possible, now listen to this next part, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation. It says, as far as it depends on you, So how do we know if we can have reconciliation with somebody that's hurt us, that's really hurt us? Well, there's three R's. The three R's of reconciliation. The first one is this, repentance. Have they made the change? Like have they changed what they think, have they changed their uh, spiritual life? Have they turned away from that lifestyle? The second R, restitution. Have they begun the process of making things Right? the last one is this, rebuilding trust. Are they being consistent in their words and actions? So if you're wondering, like, well, can I be reconciled? If they're not doing those three things, no, don't. You shouldn't. And that's very godly advice, by the way. Well, Clint, they're family. I don't care if they're family. You don't have to put yourself in harm's way and to continue to be hurt and continue to, to do these things because of family. You don't have to. And you shouldn't. So if the, you don't see those things, guess what? Th- that you're not ready for reconciliation, but that, that doesn't mean that you, can't, that, that you can hold on to unforgiveness. But just understand that forgiveness does not equal automatic reconciliation. All right, so the first two... We talked about is this. We have the wrong idea of forgiveness. And then the second one is this. Forgiveness doesn't seem fair. Forgiveness doesn't seem fair it doesn't seem fair, right? Like these people have hurt you. They've done terrible things to you. And when we forgive them, it doesn't seem fair that like we let them off the hook. you know what I'm talking about? Like, it doesn't seem fair to go, all right, I'm going to forgive like nothing ever. It doesn't seem fair. Well, guess what? Forgiveness is not about fairness. Forgiveness is not about fairness. And, and, and by the way, forgiving somebody does not let them off the hook. It lets you off the hook. It gets you out of that trap. It lets you live free. But forgiveness is not about fairness. In fact, Jesus told this story to his disciples. I want you all to listen to this. It's the parable of the unforgiving debtor. Then Peter came to him, to Jesus, and asked, "'Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me?' Seven times. And he thought he was being, like, so spiritual, like Jesus. Should I forgive them seven times? I'm so holy.'" Jesus is like, oh Peter, I'm about to wear you out. Here we go. He says, no, not seven times, but seventy times seven. Peter's like, Dad, damn it, I thought I had him right. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with the servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors was brought uh, in who owed him millions of dollars. He must have went to college on student loans. All right, I'm joking. He owed millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So the master ordered that everything be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned so that they could pay the debts. But the man fell down before the master, and he begged him, like, please be patient with me, and I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity, compassion, mercy, right, for him. And he released him and forgave, y'all say forgave. forgave, forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment, That's what my children do whenever I say, y'all can have a treat when we get home from church. They'll just, where is it? That's what they do all the time. All right, so his fellow servant fell down before him and begged for just a little bit more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man that had been forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Amen. So Jesus looks at Peter, who thought he was being holy. It's like, I'll forgive him seven times. And he says, no, 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 490 times. That's once every three minutes, by the way, if you're keeping count. Yep. And in this parable, the first man owed the master millions of dollars and he let him go. But that same man who was forgiven millions of dollars went to a person that just owed him a few thousand. Now, that's in comparison, that's not a lot of money. That'd be a lot of money in my bank account, a few thousand dollars, but it's not that much money, right? And the first man should have shown the same mercy he was shown to the second man, but he didn't. Listen, I want us to understand you have been forgiven a great debt well, I'm not that bad. Yeah, you are. That's what the Bible says. We're all bad. But God's forgiven us. And I'll tell you, if you want to talk about fairness, I'm glad I don't get what I deserve when it comes to God and the things of God. Come on. Is anyone with me? Like, I'm glad I don't get what I deserve because I'm telling you, I'd be a pile of ashes up here if God gave me what I deserved. But God doesn't give us what we deserve. He has grace. And we are supposed to give that grace and forgiveness to other people. That's what he's called us to do. The third thing is this. Why is it so hard to forgive? And here's probably the most practical one. You don't think you can forgive. It it hurt that much. Pastor Clint, you don't know what they did to me. I I don't think it's possible. I don't even think it's possible for me to forgive them. And I would say in your own power, in in your own strength, you're right. You can't. I know the big hurts that I've experienced in my life, I can't do that on my own, but thank God we don't have to walk through life in our own power. Come on. but We we walk through life with the power of God on the inside of us if we're Christians. You know, Paul, who's the most influential Christian in all the world, uh, who's ever lived, he wrote over half the New Testament, there was something in his life that he wasn't able to accomplish. There was something in his life that he tried time and time again to get right and to get it under control and to do this, and he kept begging God, like, God, take this away from me. Like, th- please, whatever it was. It could have been an unforgiven offense. It could have been an addiction. It could have been, I don't know what it was. And here's what it says. Each time I ask God for that, here's what God said back. My grace is all you need. Actually, my power works best in weakness. And so he says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can show through me. Listen, if you're in a position where you're like, I don't think I can forgive, guess what? You are a perfect candidate for God's power to work through you. Come on, you're a perfect candidate. And God wants to work through you. He wants to give you that divine power that you need. And instead of being ashamed by that, instead of letting that weakness affect you, give it to God and say, God, I can't do this. The only way I can forgive is if you help me. God, I need your help today. I need your help to do this. I've had to do this in my life. God, I don't, I, I, like, show me what to do because I don't know how I'm gonna forgive this person. And He will, He'll honor that in you. I promise you. God will help you today. But ultimately, I want you to hear me. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. Some of you are like, all right, when I feel ready, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. You will never do it. Right? When I feel ready, we'll have kids. Yeah, No, you ain't. You ain't ever going to be ready. I will tell you. When I feel ready, feelings are awful things to drive your life. Don't deny, you have feelings, don't deny your feelings. But that's not the thing that leads your life. If you're waiting to forgive somebody when you feel like it, you will never do it. Because here's the fact, choices lead, feelings follow. Choices lead and feelings follow. Follow. Guess what? I'm on this journey, losing weight. Lost 26 pounds. It's been awesome. There are a lot of days I don't feel like eating right. There are a lot of days I don't feel like cooking food for myself. There's a lot of days I don't feel like going and to the gym and working out and doing that. Thank God I don't have to follow my feelings. I can go. You know what? I'm going to choose to go even when I don't feel like it, and I'm going to reap the benefits. And guess what? By the time I leave, I'm like, man, I'm so glad I went. You know what I'm saying? Choices lead. I don't feel like forgiving. Decide you're going to do it. Choices lead. Feelings follow. Why is it so hard to forgive? Listen, because we have the wrong idea of forgiveness, because forgiveness doesn't seem fair. We don't think that we can forgive, but here's the bottom line today. I just want to tell you right now, God commands us to forgive. He commands us to forgive. It's not an option if you're a Christ follower. You forgive. That's what you do. It says this in Colossians. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive. You are the one that owed millions of dollars and the master looked at you and said, you know what? I'm going to forgive the debt. That happened to you. And according to Jesus' words, man, we got to show that same compassion and mercy to other people. We have to forgive. If you're in here and you say you follow the Lord, you have to live a life of forgiveness. It's not an option. And it's not so that you can be a floor mat and let people walk all over you. That's no, no, no. It's so that you can live a life of freedom. And that's what God's called us to. He's tired of seeing you trapped by holding on to this offense, no matter how big it is. He wants you to find freedom. And I want to tell you that you can find freedom today. God can heal that hurt. God can help you forgive that person. He wants to see it happen. But if you're a Christ follower in here, forgiveness is not an option. It's a command. And so here's what we're going to do. I want everyone to get their phone out, open up your notes app. If you have an Android, I don't even know if you're capable of taking notes. But open up your notes app. Come on, everybody, let's go. Or find something to write with, do something. Because I know I'm not the only one in here that needs to forgive somebody. So here's what you're going to do this week. Okay? Now, I want you to, while you have your phone out, I want you to think of the person you need to forgive, all right? Some of you, there might be more than one, think of one. Think of a person you need to forgive, okay? Right now. And in your notes app or write it down, however you're doing this, I want you to write down how that person offended you, okay? Were you betrayed? That friend backstabbed you? That spouse cheated on you? that co-worker threw you under the bus? Were you falsely accused, misunderstood, people gossiped about you? Were you rejected, like your parent walked out on you, your siblings left you? Were you abused verbally, emotionally, physically, sexually? Were you humiliated? where you're haunted by that embarrassing moment, you're ashamed or you were disgraced, write down how they hurt you. And I want you to understand this. Jesus faced all of these things, all of them. He was betrayed by Judas He was falsely accused, wrongly indicted. He was rejected by Peter and his other disciples. He was abused, beaten, tortured, and crucified on a cross. He was humiliated, and he was crucified naked in public. He suffered each of these offenses, and he did so for a good reason. Now I want to look at the message paraphrase here of this passage. I think it's powerful says this, it's obvious, of course, that he, Jesus, didn't go through, didn't go uh, to all this trouble for angels. It was for people like us, children of Abraham. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then when he came before God as the high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. Jesus has been in your shoes. And he purposefully came to be in your shoes so that in this moment, In this moment of time, in this room, in that seat where you're sitting, he can sympathize with you, he can empathize with you, and he can enter into your world, and he can help you. Why? Because he's been there. Have you ever taken advice from somebody, by the way, parenting advice that doesn't have children? (coughs) It's laughable. It's like, my kids won't have a screen at dinner. Yeah, right. Wait till you have children. You will give them your phone so fast, right? Like people without kids love giving parenting advice. Listen, Jesus can give you this advice because he's been there. He's not trying to help you. And he's been there before. And he shows us how to respond in moments where we've been hurt. Jesus had been beaten. He was forced to carry his cross to Calvary. And he had been nailed on the cross by the people who hated him that had just rejected him, and he looks up to heaven and he says this. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them, God. In the midst of his hurt, in the midst of his betrayal, in the midst of his offense, he says, forgive them. Here's what we need to remember today is the forgiven must forgive. You have to, because it's eating you alive. It's destroying your life. You have to forgive. The Bible says in Ephesians, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, harsh words and slander, as well as other types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. It's time. Listen, it's time. Today is the day that you need to choose. I'm going to forgive this person. I'm not going to let this offense affect me anymore. I'm not going to let it trap me anymore. And by God's power and God's power alone, I'm going to forgive this person. And today is that day. All right. So you have homework this week. All right. So you guys have written down uh, the person who offended you. Right. If you haven't written then write their name down. And you've written down how they offended you. Here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to pray for those people by name every day this week. And I want you to ask God to help you love and forgive them just as God loves and forgives you. Every day. God, I pray for my mom today. She hurt me. Maybe that's you. She abused me. She walked out of me. But God, help me love and forgive her like you love and forgive me. God, I pray for my coach. I pray you help me love and forgive him like you love and forgive me. God, I pray for that boss I worked for. God, help me love and forgive them the way that, like, every day, what will happen is your heart is going to begin to soften, and the teeth of that trap are going to slowly start to come undone. And you're going to experience freedom. You know, I um, wasn't going to share this, but I feel like I'm gonna, I am going to need to share this. I was walking around for a long time with unforgiveness in my heart. And, um, you know, it would have been justifiable if you guys, I'm not going to get into the details, but if you knew the details, you'd be like, oh, I can understand that. And for years, I allowed this unforgiveness to dictate my life, shape my life, to to dictate how I treated uh, this person and it was awful. And it, it was just, not, it's, I, I wasn't me. I wasn't the same person that I had been before this offense took place. And during our 21 days of prayer and fasting this last year, um, I was praying. I was by myself in our house. Our kids were outside playing and they did not come in and interrupt this. I, that's a miracle. I don't know because they come in every 15 seconds, you know, and they go outside but it was during our 21 days of prayer and fasting and I was at my computer at my desk and I was praying and I've never had this happen before. It has not happened since. But as I was praying, I was praying through some spiritual warfare prayers that um, I was working through on this plan I was doing and it was walking through like putting on the armor of God, uh, declaring God as your protection, right? Like just all this stuff. And it got to a point where it was talking about unforgiveness and there were some people in my life, real surface level stuff, that had recently hurt us and, or they didn't do it intentionally, just we, we took offense to something that was stupid. And I was like, alright God, I give you that. And I could, in my spirit, I could feel the release of those people. But it wasn't the person or the situation that I really needed to dig down on. And so I, I did the surface level stuff, forgave those petty little things, and and I moved on to the next part of the prayer plan. And God said, go back. You're not done. I said, all right. So I went back. I said, okay, Lord, what did I forget? Help me. And he brought up this person. And, um, and in that moment, I could feel that I hadn't let that go. And my spirit it was still there. And I just had a really honest conversation with the Lord and said, God, I don't know how to forgive this person. I don't know. I don't know how, like, if, if I need to do this, you're going to have to show me. And he said, I know you don't, but you still need to try to let it go. And I said, okay. And so as I began to let this go and to tell God, how bad that had hurt and and start forgiving and loving these people, this person that um, had hurt me, God gave me a vision in that moment. And I've never had this happen. It wasn't a dream, I didn't fall asleep. It was just internally, I could see a fountain. And the fountain was in this beautiful, like scenic uh, wooded area, super cool. And um, as I was praying, I noticed that the fountain was clogged up with dirt and leaves and debris, just gross, and the fountain wasn't working. And all of a sudden, Jesus came in and he started just clearing out the fountain, taking out the leaves, taking out the dirt, taking out the mud, and he started working his way through the different tiers. And when he got done cleaning it out, the fountain started to work again. And it started to flow and it started to go down to the different tiers and it started to operate as it was intended to operate. And what God was showing me was that when we hold on to unforgiveness, you don't work like God designed you to work. You don't. You you can't be the wife you need to be. You can't be the husband you need to be. You can't be the sibling you need to be. You can't be the father you need to be. You can't be the mother you need to be. You can't be the parent. You can't do it. You're not working properly. And God needs to come in and he needs to scrape that stuff out and get it out of your life. And we just have to let him sometimes. And honestly, in that moment, God freed me of that. And I can honestly say that was the moment that like, okay, I had true forgiveness in my life to go, all right, I'm, I'm, God, I see, I I don't want to clog up anymore. Like I want to, I want to work. I want to be the person you called me to be. And I can't, if that's in my life. And I think God wanted me to share that story today because there's people in here. And your your life, if it looks like a fountain, it's clogged up. It ain't working, and it hasn't been working for a long time. But God can take anything, and He can make it new. Remember that first verse we read: "Behold, I'm making all things new." Come on, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes today. <clears throat> Let's get real. All right, we've already talked about a lot of very real stuff today, anyway. And don't be ashamed. If you're in here right now and you're like, Clint, there's an offense in my life and it's been hurting me and it's been a major hurt in my life and I need help forgiving this person. Come on, just raise your hand in this room. Come on, don't be shy. Let's go. Here we go. Keep them up. Do you understand you're not in this room by accident today? You got your hand up? God brought you here for this moment. And so God, meet these people where they are. I pray that on the inside of their heart right now, no matter what happened to them, no matter what was going on, that right now you begin to clean out that fountain in their heart, that you begin to brush away that the, the leaves and the dirt and the debris and the little rocks and all of that, God. Would you just allow them to experience that forgiveness that you've given them so that they can extend it to the people that have hurt them? God, give them the strength and the boldness. God, help give them the grace to do this. And even if it feels impossible, nothing is impossible for you. And so, God, I pray right now that you'd begin to work in their life. Come on, if you rose your hand right now, I want you to just be praying in your heart. Say, God, help me love and forgive this person just like you loved and forgave me. Come on, just ask God. God, we release these things to you in Jesus' name. They're yours today. Or you can put your hands down with your heads bowed and your eyes closed uh, before we end today. Maybe you've never stepped into a relationship with Jesus. And I want to tell you, if you haven't, you're the one that needs to be forgiven. And guess what? God has forgiven you. You just have to receive it and you have to make him the Lord of your life. Invite him in. I'm just telling you, uh, your circumstances might not change, but man, your hope can change right now. God promises us an abundant life. That doesn't mean rich, famous. That means, man, we get a full life of God when we invite him into it. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to help you. And if you've never made that decision today, come on. On the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand and say, Clint, I want to make that decision today. One, two, three. Come on. Lift your hand up. There you go. You can put your hand down. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to do something new, church, okay? Okay. I'm going to say a prayer. I want all of us to say this out loud together, all right? And if that's you if, you, if you lifted your hand up, I want you to say this out loud too. Say, dear God, come on. Come on, say, dear God, I need you. I invite you into my life. And I give you everything in my life. And in the best way I know how, I will live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a hand in this place. Woo!